0: This is the GPL
1: Podcast, sponsored by Vintage Minnesota Hockey, your exclusive source for throwback Minnesota jerseys. Visit VintageMNHockey.com. Welcome to the GPL Podcast, episode number 137. Um, Hammy's hopefully going to join us a little bit. He was finishing up some work things, but Vigo, you're here, aren't you? I sure am.
0: Excited to get going.
1: (laughs) For those of you listening live, you know we've been having some technical difficulties for about the past 15 minutes. Some weird Skype settings. Started the show once. Didn't quite work because, you know what, Vigs? I can't really talk to myself for the podcast. It gets a little
0: boring. Yeah, I think it would be for anyone.
1: <laughs> well, Viggs, um, a game in Vegas, and I wanted to quote somebody from the Mixler chat because we know we have a lot of people listen on on Mixler live. Um, he, he's not listening now, I don't think, but uh, on Saturday night he came back to the Mixler chat and Jess0027 said this, that game sucked. Never play in that clown arena again. Team that wanted to win tonight, one, and uh, that's pretty accurate because uh, the Gophers really didn't show up, especially for the last two and a half periods. Um, and what made it worse is that the ice was bad, the glass was bad. But uh, one team sure played through it, and that was North Dakota.
0: Yeah, I thought Minnesota actually got off to a pretty decent start. You know, they they played to a scoreless first period. The shots were pretty even. Uh, the Gophers got on the board first with uh, Gates Junior. power play goal. He uh, got a fortunate bounce, and at, after that point, it just kind of felt like the team didn't respond to the way North Dakota was playing. It was almost like North Dakota said, "All right, heck with this. We're going to get even more simple. We're going to get in their face. We're going to get bodies on bodies. We're going to put pucks deep." And Minnesota just never adjusted. Even when they had chances to kind of take control of the game back, you know, whether it was the ice or whatnot, you know, they just got too cute, too fancy couldn't make enough plays, and then North Dakota just took over and, and got away with the win.
1: Now, I'm kind of curious, but uh, that game sure did feel quite a bit like uh, how the team has played the last few years.
0: Yeah, it didn't even really take any prompting, but Bob Motzko <laughs> referenced the Penn State series as a, a series he didn't watch super closely or look back on super closely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But based on what he knew about that series of weekends, he thought that it was probably the same problem in that series of games as what the Gophers had in North Dakota. I think he said that you know the players felt like they were driving a Ferrari and wanted to you know be fancy when the, what they needed was a tank. And really sometimes that's what you need to do is you need to simplify your game and just choose the select moments where your skill needs to show through. And that's been a problem that the last coaching staff had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And this team likes to play a cute, fancy game, and, and sometimes you just can't do that,
1: and, and that's where one thing where coaching does come in, right in the middle of the game, to try to get these guys to switch rom. And obviously, we know that uh Moscow's new to these guys. It's, it's probably going to take him a while to, you know, get the guys to buy into changing, you know, the type of game they're playing on the fly. Um, and that's just kind of this whole learning process he's going through right
0: now. Well, it's figuring out how to get the message across because I, I guarantee you that Genzel and Lucia were sending the same message oh, yeah. to the program last year. You know, they were saying it to their blue in the face and you know, and I think at one point Lucia said you can only break out the cattle prod so often. <laughs> you know, you need these players to wanna lead themselves to water, you know, to use another cattle reference. Um and they just they couldn't do it. And I think they know that they should have been doing that. But just getting them to actually play that way is going to be a huge challenge this season.
1: Well, when you hear Wally Shaver say on the radio broadcast, "This is a butt ugly performance," um, and you know Minnesota guys are as homers as as, as many others, but uh,
0: they were speaking the truth because it was pretty butt ugly overall. Well, I think in what Jesse was talking about in his comment was the game was so slow in the the arena. You know, it's mm-hmm. a place that doesn't hold a lot of hockey games. Who knows how old those stanchions are that they have in there? Because um, they're coming loose all the time. There were long video reviews. Um, I think it was about a three-hour game. It and
1: that's was just yes. crazy. <laughs> you know, we're used to that two and a half hours. You know, it, it's pretty consistent. You know, you start at seven, you're done about nine twenty-five, nine thirty. Um, and then you know, as we're going along, and you know, we started at nine, and it's all it's eleven thirty. It should be over. I'm like, gosh, we still got quite a Quite a bit of the third period left. And, you know, all those stoppages with the glass and they were saying the ice is soft, you know, that's one thing. But, uh, you know, North Dakota had to put up with that too. And I hear people complain about that arena. Probably not the greatest place to play hockey, but it's what you do with it. And obviously, North Dakota came to play.
0: Well, and I think that style suits the way North Dakota wanted to play that game too. Slowing down Minnesota. A place where you weren't going to be able to make great plays. You had to make simple plays, you had to throw pucks at the net. Um, and credit to Matt Robson for playing an outstanding game. You know, he didn't give up too much to the opponent. You know, he, he froze a lot of pucks. He saw through a lot of traffic. Um, you know, he he proved why he's leading the goaltending race right now.
1: Yeah, and Robson is doing well. Um, I'm, I have a feeling, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see. You know, if he does well Friday night against Mankato, uh, like, like you said, or you've heard, you know, Moscow say he would probably play the, the following Saturday or, you know, the next night, so we'll have to wait and see. But uh, like you're saying, he was the only one who showed up at all this past Saturday.
0: Yeah, and it was another rough game for the defenseman. Uh, the defensemen have been taking quite a few penalties for Minnesota mm-hmm. so far, and uh, Bob goes not holding back any punches. He said that, um, you know, the young defensemen in the roster, uh, I think Stalker and Denman will probably get in this weekend, and some of the guys who are taking penalties – are going to have to sit out a game because, you know, when you take penalties and the coaches are getting on you about taking penalties and you continue to do it, uh, eventually there's going to be a consequence and there's going to be some discipline handed out and we'll see how everybody responds.
1: And, you know, and a coach is not going to get on you for taking a smart penalty, but it's just these dumb penalties that just get you every time.
0: Well, um, it's the penalties that are behind the play yeah. that don't really impact anything. It's the penalties where you know you get caught late in a shift. You stop moving your feet. You start using your stick. You know those are the things that are going to get coaches upset and frustrated. You know if you're hooking a guy all the way to the net because you're in a puck race and you take him down so he doesn't get a scoring chance, that's probably a good penalty. Mm-hmm. You know if you're losing a wall battle and the guy's walking it up the wall and you get a hook or a you know interference, that's not a good penalty. So. It's something these guys need to learn from. I know after the first series, a lot of the guys were saying that's part of the adjustment from summer hockey to live action is changing your angles, changing your effort. And I think having the two exhibition games and the two-week layoff maybe contributed to that. You saw in the third period probably some tired legs and guys who weren't used to battling at that high level. I think if they would have played another game, you would have seen a better effort from Mm -hmm. the Gophers, Mm -hmm. but just jumping into that pace, you know, you could tell they were behind.
1: Yeah, you definitely could. Um, Friday afternoon, I thought I'd have a little fun and say, you know, put up a little poll on Twitter and say, hey, who's going to get a five-minute major this weekend? North Dakota? Minnesota? Both. And, you know, I think a two-game series, you know, that tends to happen, but uh, the, the GPL followers were right on the button. They most of them, The majority of them picked that both teams were going to get a five-minute major, and it seems like it, it happens a lot with North Dakota, but there was exactly that. Both teams had a five-minute major. I didn't see them, didn't see replays. I don't know the legitimacy of them. I don't care. I just, I just love that uh, more
0: kids are sitting in the sin bin again. Well, I think it's an emphasis in college hockey. Anything that's close, I didn't think the mismatch one was – uh a particularly egregious check but it was from behind it was intentional uh Rossini same deal you know these are penalties that are going to get called in college hockey and if you're taking a guy somewhere along the the wall or the boards you've got to slow up if you see the numbers and you definitely can't accelerate in or extend your arms after contact that's just asking for 5 minutes
1: it is and so uh with I guess uh, Rossini won't be able to play this at least Friday, but uh, as he seems to be one of those guys that are in and out anyway, I'm guessing he may
0: not be playing anyway this Friday. Yeah, with two five-minute checking from behind penalties, he's going to get a game to watch.
1: <laughs> and even if he had to or not, I think he might get a couple games to watch. You know, that's just, we just can't have that.
0: Well, um, and, they, you know, Matsko wants to get a look at Denman and Stucker. Um demons one of the older guys that he brought in who did pretty well in his look with uh, cedar rapids and the ushl and he's got a little look on power play time and practice i think that's uh area that they're looking to improve uh so he'll get a look this weekend i bet
1: if you're listening live um you can always just uh tweet us just use the, the hashtag GPLPodcast, podcast and we'll try to answer your questions and uh Looks like uh, Micheletti has a couple of them for us tonight. Uh, uh, Pat wants to know
0: who's the best team in the country, Viggs. Uh, I thought going in the air was St. Cloud State. Um, I know they they dropped a game this past weekend. Uh, I think it was the Northeastern. But I think they're still a pretty talented team. Uh, they've got great defensemen. They've got scoring up front. Um, their goaltending maybe is a little hit and miss. But uh, I think they're the most talented team right now, and, and we'll see. I think one of the things that Bob Moscow did there was he set up his schedule with a little bit easier start, you know, to kind of get up to speed. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's something he's missing right now, as he admitted today. But I like St. <laughs> Cloud quite a bit. They've got a lot to work with there.
1: And, and obviously, uh, Duluth hasn't uh, lost a game since uh, playing Minnesota, and they've jumped back up onto and, and the top of the country after sweeping um, Notre Dame at Notre Dame this past weekend. So whatever Minnesota did, they, they certainly woke up the, the Duluth Bulldogs.
0: Yeah, I think Duluth's a great team. They've got really good defensemen, um, good goaltending. I I worry a little bit where they're gonna get their goal scoring from up front. Um I've seen Tufty have a couple of good games, but you know, even their games here with Notre Dame, you know, they didn't score a lot of goals. You know, they they got a you know one goal win three two, another one uh three one, I think. So, you know, some tight games there. They're going to have to find some scoring from somewhere. Um, Tufty looked really good on the power play from what I saw for highlight clips. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time in the puck, he looked a little bit like a, a stat out there. But uh, <laughs> they're going to need scoring if they're going to compete. Ah, you know, I'm trying to look for it here on Twitter. Didn't Pat have another question as well? I think he asked how the Gophers are going to get back on track.
1: Oh, that's right, because he replied
0: to your tweet. That's right. Yeah. And I think, you know, one of the things they're going to need to do is stay out of the penalty box. Um, Brad Schlossman brought up to me that typically St. Cloud is one of the least penalized teams in the nation when Moscow was coaching there. Uh, you can tell that he's frustrated with all the penalties his team is taking. Um, this team you know, needs to develop their young players. And if they're killing penalties, it's going to be hard to do that. They need to roll four lines and get some flow to their game and, um, develop their defensemen a little bit, and if they keep taking penalties it's hard to do that, so I think that's one thing they can do to get back on track uh The other thing is I just think they need to you know be smart about their dumps and, and play that hard game and really emphasize that you know they've they've got the pretty game down where they're coming up with the centers if a team backs off and gives away um, the neutral zone pretty easily, but you know when they have to just settle the to chip it deep that 's something they need to work on.
1: Well one thing I'm thinking is that um, uh, did they I mean the season start has been so weird did they really lose it I mean you know you lose can, their track yeah lose it I mean no there there hasn't been a track I mean you played two games early and then you you play three games the rest of the month they've they've played three you know total games that mean something in thirty days or yeah a month uh of october um Back on track, there hasn't been a track. You know, if anything, you know, it consistently starts this week, you know, where you're playing, you know, two games of the weekend, two games a weekend, two games a weekend, at least all the way until they get to their Christmas break. And then it's solid after that. But it's kind of hard to get on the track when the track is all over the place in the first month of the year.
0: Yeah, I, I think we did see, though, a track of offensive production. You know, the yeah, last game against though. they got off, and the exhibitions, they still flashed their skill. Yeah. Um, so I so I think there are some promising things to take out of that. It's just they got off their game when they played North Dakota because I think they saw a different style and a different intensity that they weren't expecting.
1: Yeah, well, well, that's Pat.
0: Pat likes to stir the pot a little bit, so... He does, but this is the same problem that we saw last year with this program. Is is this team when they play that style, you know, they have to respond and they have to be, you know, a little quicker and sure on pucks under the forecheck, and uh, you know sometimes they're going to have to go work and get it back.
1: Uh, well, a, a team has got to be able to take a punch, and you know that's one thing that this team's going to have to learn. Hey, if you take a punch, you got to be able to get up and punch back.
0: And they always say everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. So <laughs> Well that's 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 all learning though. It yeah. is learning, and this team has a lot of learning to do. You know, they've got a lot of freshmen they're gonna count on over the course of the season and you know this defensive core does need to take a step. So it's another example against North Dakota about the steps they need to take. Definitely, definitely. Um
1: one thing, we got another little question here. John Candels, he's always sent us questions. Why so many neutral site games when the Big Ten and NCAA tournament games drew low? Why not more games on campus? And, you know, the neutral site game, that was a North Dakota thing. I don't really see Minnesota doing too many neutral site games. It's usually the other teams doing it.
0: No, and it's usually something that's promotional, like when we saw the Madison Square Garden. Yeah. You know, yeah. That's something that the Big Ten is trying to do to grow the league's exposure. It's not really... Minnesota saying, hey, sign us up for that. And it's been a road game for them anyway in the past. I think the Michigan State game was a Michigan State home game. Uh, So, you know, I think some of it can be good for college hockey. I don't think it's great for Minnesota if they were to sacrifice a home game to play on a neutral site.
1: And, you know, Um, the administration usually doesn't really allow it either.
0: Nope. I mean, they found a way to do the outdoor game at TCF, which I think most people are happy to have happen. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I think the players really enjoyed it, so I thought that was good for the program, but I don't think you're going to see Minnesota freely giving up home games to play in these things, but especially when it's like an icebreaker event or the Hall of Fame game, mm-hmm. you know, those are extra games on the schedule for the teams playing in them, so Minnesota's going to sign up for that every chance they get. Definitely, definitely.
1: Um, Well, before, you know, you wanted to get into some uh, the new recruiting proposal coming up, so we're going to get into that just after this. But first, we need to hear from our sponsor. VintageMNHockey.com is a proud sponsor of the GPL Podcast. Well, what is Vintage MN Hockey? Well, it's kind of the place to get all of your history of Minnesota hockey, from the pros to the minors to the collegiate teams to even the high school teams. All information about any of those teams can be found on VintageMNHockey.com. They also have great interviews with some historical Minnesota hockey figures like John Mayasich and Lou Nanny, Glenn Sonmore, some of the greats of Minnesota hockey. So make sure you check out those interviews. It's a really great thing. But as like I always say, I think my favorite part is the store. The store, you can buy a custom historical jersey from the Gophers or the Bulldogs or some of your favorite high school teams. And if you do make a purchase just use the code GPLpodcast, all one word and you'll get 10% off your order. So make sure you visit VintageMNHockey.com and follow them on Twitter at VintageMNHockey. And just to push that VintageMNHockey a little bit more you know, recently we've been seeing the, the you know the uh, Herb Brooks videos of him you know, it's part of the main video this year, and you've been seeing on Twitter and whatnot. And you see those old home jerseys um, with the with the gold stripe down the shoulders, no maroon. And uh, I was tweeting today that I'd love to see the team wear that again. They might have to do the M different because the M is different, but the, I think I'd like to see that 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 jersey again on the team there, Vigs.
0: Yeah, that might be good for some whites uh, for the Gophers. I really like their third uni this year with the old Gophers down the middle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that's a classic uniform for the program. So and a lot of options when you're talking Gopher hockey. Anytime they can throw a vintage Goldie on there too, I like that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, especially on the shoulder. I'm not big on him being you know, where the M should be because we've seen those. So, you know, I think the women have worn those a few times, but
0: they have and those those jerseys are pretty fire.
1: Yeah, it, it seems like the you know Minnesota has either gone back to the old old days or they've kind of done something new. I would love to see them do some more of the '70s and '80s stuff. Um, and uh, obviously, the, it's you, you can't really do uh, the M has changed, so the, I don't know if they could get away with doing a classic M unless it was for a special event. Um, but uh, some of those jerseys are nice jerseys.
0: They're solid as long as they can stay away from the dazzle fabric. <laughs> and Some of those uh, crazy panel designs they did, I'm <laughs> I'm good there. Dazzle is that the kind of the, the the really bright shiny ones? Yes, that was really popular. I think uh, early '90s. Yeah, they 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 did a gold in that. Yep, and they uh, had like a like a black one. I think that was uh, kind of dazzling. Uh, yeah, you Back mean the when black... Gemini was making uniforms yeah, for everybody?
1: I think that was the black one that Casey Hankinson did, came up with and. Boy, that didn't go over well at all. <clears throat> no, it's a bad look. Mote said those suck. So if Mote says they suck, they sucked.
0: Well, won't Maybe they-, they can do it as a warm-up jersey
1: just <laughs> for you, Jim.
0: <G. laughs>
1: no, I, I just see those classic jerseys with the gold stripe down the arm, and I just thought, well, they look kind of nice. And I've heard other fans talking about it, and it- and they've kind of stuck with the same white jerseys, you know, with the with the maroon shoulders for a long time. So I'd kind of like to see something a little different. Um, one thing you wanted to talk about tonight is that there's quite a bit of uh, recruiting proposal changes that are coming down the line here, at Viggs. Um And that could change things quite a bit, you know, from how coaches can con- can contact players and definitely how players can contact schools.
0: Yeah, Matt Wellens did a great job uh, digging into the recruiting changes that are being proposed. Uh, I know Josh Fenton from the NCHC, he's their commissioner, was kind of leading one of these changes. And there's representatives from every conference, uh, an administrator and a coach. Um, They've got players that are helping out. And the biggest thing that Wellens clarified in this is that with this new legislation, no player is going to be able to commit to a verbal offer until august 1st of their junior year so that means that the school can't offer it a player can't accept it and if you see some kid tweet out you know i'm thankful to, to announce that i'm committing somewhere before the august 1st of his junior year something's fishy there mm-hmm. so i think that's great for college hockey if this comes to fruition it also doesn't allow any contact until january 1st of the sophomore year and so what this means is the player can't reach out to the coaches, the coaches can't reach out to the players. So they can't, even before that time, they can't kind of come to an understanding that there's a spot for them there. Um, and it's that timing so that kids can talk to coaches ahead of the major junior drafts, which happen typically the summer after their sophomore year. Uh, so it's timing there to give them. Um, a chance to get in the ear of kids. But I think this will be great for college sports. You you won't have the 14- and 15-year-old kids committing anywhere. You know, they tried to get this legislation in last year, but they still allowed players to initiate contact. What was happening then is the player would initiate contact, the school would make an offer, and the kid would accept before he even had a chance to do official visits or be communicated to from other coaches. So, so what a, are big changes coming. So what are the rules
1: now? When can a coach reach out to a player under the current rules?
0: Um, I think under the current rules, it's January 1st of their sophomore year. Coaches can reach out so that, and, and talk to players. So that part kind of stays the same. It's really
1: kind of locking down the other side, isn't it?
0: Well, it's locking down the other side and preventing verbal offers from happening until that junior year. Mm-hmm. So there's there's two big things and I think the biggest thing is not allowing any verbal offers until August first of the junior year.
1: Mm yeah, I didn't notice you wrote that down as a big number no yeah. I mean that Are you there, Viggs? Vigo? Don't tell me we just lost you, Viggs. Oh boy. Completely just lost Vigo there, didn't we? Well that's not good because who's talking about some important stuff there. Um Bye. Right in the middle. Yeah, you you're completely silent now, Viggs. Can I cannot hear you at all. And I'm not getting that same note I was getting earlier. This is strange. Skype is acting really strange for us tonight, folks. It's just, just the way it is, unfortunately. Um Mote was kinda wondering, you know, how about those gold domes from the football team? Uh, he thought it'd be a little too close to, uh, to Notre Dame. And I would agree. I, I'm not big on those gold domes. Domote. No, Mote. <clears throat> yes. There's no tornado here in lovely Western Carver County.
2: And there's these. Let's give us
1: another try. There you are. We just lost you there for, seven, for a second. That's so strange. I tell you, ever since Microsoft took over for Skype, It's just not the same
0: (laughs) gremlins everywhere.
1: Hey, that's okay. We try to roll with it. Um, we, we are not a professional podcast. We're just, just a bunch of guys just trying to have fun and try to do this as cheaply as possible all through software and not all these lovely microphones and all this huge expensive equipment. So, well, did you have any more thoughts?
0: Well, just I think it's going to be good for all sports because this doesn't apply to, you know, just hockey. It's going to apply to football and basketball as well. Um, and for football, you know, they're not going to be able to initiate contact until June 15th after the sophomore season. So for them, it's going to curb it as well. So between June 15th of the sophomore year and August 1st of their junior year, that's when those sports are going to get to talk to players. And I just think. It's going to be good for everybody to kind of pl- walk back that recruiting timeline and uh, get everything going later
1: well while you were well, we were having some technical difficulties i i, I read off Mote as a little thought about having you know mot was thinking maybe gold helmets similar to Notre Dame like kind of like the football team did, and I'm kind of not for that at all and then uh Toms of course brought up what happened uh what but boy. <laughs> Almost twenty years ago now, not quite twenty years ago, but I remember early in the season, the early two thousands, um, they went up to St. Cloud and they wore maroon helmets, and that lasted one weekend. They never brought the maroon helmets back
0: again. So, well, whatever whatever the kids like is, I think what we'll see at some point. So,
1: well, well, the thing is, it it,
0: it does come down to
1: cost because equipment's not not excuse me not cheap. And I've always kind of wondered, you know. Obviously, football programs make the big money, but when the University of Minnesota has three different helmets, that cannot be cheap, can it? When you're buying over a hundred helmets,
0: for, yeah, especially for football, like those a, helmets aren't cheap. No, you know, those are two fifty to three hundred a piece, I think. So,
1: and then how much for the customization of you know that kind of gold and the reflection? I mean, I I just and plus you know you know they've got three game helmets. I'm sure they've got practice helmets which are probably cheaper, but still that's, that's a lot of dough. And, uh, you know, football can get where it can get away with it because they bring in a lot more money. It's not something you're going to see
0: a lot in hockey. You're just not. No, it's not. And I, I saw LSU do a special paint on their football helmets a couple of weeks ago, uh, for their mm-hmm. forgotten team from 1918 that, that got ready to fight in the war. And, uh, the the paint they used on those helmets was $1,500 a gallon.
1: Oh, my god! And
0: each, each helmet needed about four coats of paint to get the effect they were looking for. Are you so, kidding me? Pretty amazing.
1: Wow. That is... <laughs> that is a...
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's a different world. That, of that, football that, that is... Just, ca- as you ca- ca- can see what was just happening in Maryland this week.
1: Oh, yeah. That whole thing is... Uh become a bit of trouble. So we'll have to see hammy. Are you there? We're trying to add hammy here or I am trying to add hammy. We'll see. Maybe, he, maybe you muted him too. Maybe I did. It says that he's, well, well, we'll try to, add. we'll try to add hammy here. We'll see if it
0: works to get him in on the discussion. So the one thing I was interested about this recruiting thing is if this legislation comes in April when they vote on it, you know how soon does it get put in place? As we saw with uh, Wisconsin, you know they added Nick Pierre from Hill Murray just before this last proposal went into effect. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if we'll see the same thing as this new one comes up. You know if it happens where you know in April, you know if you're under 16 and you're thinking you want to commit somewhere, you know, you might. Sign your name somewhere, you know, pretty quick and try to get in there and get a spot before you have to wait it another couple of years.
1: A lot of weird things, a lot of weird things. And we've been trying to get something like this to happen for a long time. And uh, it's, it's, it's tough, I mean, uh, you know, because a lot of the smaller schools don't
0: want to do that. And Fenton acknowledges that when he talked to Wellens. He said, you know, we weren't looking for all 60 coaches to be on board with this. <laughs> you know, we're we're looking for a majority to be on board with this and get enough votes to get it passed. Because mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of coaches who would who'd want this passed. You know, they want to push back recruiting as much as they can.
1: Yeah, yeah. Hammy, are you there? I am on. There he is. How you doing, Hammy? Not too bad.
2: Sorry I'm late.
1: No, uh, it's it's East- quite alright. We've had quite a bit of technical difficulties tonight anyway, so you had yeah,
2: the, the <laughs> Thursday night switch uh it's, it's a little harder for me, so
1: Yeah, well you know with Halloween last night, I know Viggs, you were probably busy pretty much most of the night and, and Yeah,
0: kids stuff, right? <laughs> kid we we could have gone at eleven. Maybe. <laughs> I uh, might have that, still been on at 11:05 but that,
1: <laughs> that would have been would too late cuz Ham- Hammy's workout. Yeah, tonight. exactly. You mess with Hammy's workout. Well, Hammy, we've kind of covered quite a bit of things, but uh let's just get your quick thoughts on uh that lovely game that just happened against the uh, the Fighting Hawks on Saturday. Not good. Yeah, it's a
2: uh, yeah, it's a whole lot of travel for a whole lot of nothing, right?
1: <laughs> exactly
2: you know i i I don't know i mean i think it's one of those things where it's early season with uh, a lot of new things going on and it's never going to be a straight line you know improvement from day one to the end of the year i mean you're going to have your dips throughout the year and unfortunately it's pretty tough to have one against a you know a pretty big rival on the you know and kind of a hyped up set of circumstances and um, you know, we know that defensively, especially, that that was the one thing that we've always, we've all kind of touched on as being the one big question mark. And um, I think, you know, when you see another team do a pretty good job pressuring, um, that's where it kind of comes to light. So you just got to hope that the guys start to uh, improve and learn from these kinds of experiences.
1: Well, one thing we were kind of saying is that it it's they, they just haven't had much to go on. And and not uh, many game plays. And that's kind of what, you know, Moscow wants. Get some games in here. You know, you know these exhibitions are one thing, but we need to get them to play. And then when they – and then Saturday night they came out and they played sort of a lot like last year's team that kind of – you know, Viggs and I talked about. It was just – there was nothing there at times.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, it, it's – you know they were kind of happy that they got a lot of practices in right but then all of a sudden it becomes well we need to play more games and it's like well what do you want you know what i mean it's kind of like um you can't have the best of both worlds and have it be one way or when it works for you, and, and you know and we haven't played enough games or whatever so i don't know if i totally agree with some of the rationale at times but um i understand that it's a it's a new season with a new coaching staff and a lot of things that are pretty brand new to everybody and um so i, I I kind of give them a pass on these things and let's be honest, we've seen a lot of successful teams over the years that didn't start the greatest, uh, out of the gates. I mean, not talking us specifically, but just in general in college hockey and, uh, yeah. some teams do pretty well by the end of the season. So you just got to hope that they, they learn as, as we go and, um, they prove.
1: And really Vegs, it's, you know, even the said this earlier, talk to me in December or maybe even January, cause that's really when he wants to get this team going.
0: Yeah, you don't even really know what your lineup is going to look like for the first couple weeks. You know, you can have some guesses here and there, but it's going to take some, some time under, some adversity, and that's something you can't really simulate in practice. You can have all the practices you want, but until you're in a face-off circle with right Gardner, you know, with a minute or two to go and you need to win it and to take possession and get down on the ice, you know, you can't replicate that. Yeah.
2: Well, and I think the other thing that, that kind of bothered me a little bit is the way that some of the fans reacted on GPL. And to be honest with you, I was, <laughs> I was just kind of like, "Man, I don't know if I can deal with this." You gotta expect I might it. Have, I might have to limit myself to certain sections of the board because the game, you know, the game threads and whatever. Just like, oh my god, you know, I mean, I just think that uh, it gets to be a little bit overboard. I mean, you can't expect perfection every game. And I, it was like I was saying to some people, I would love to show up. To these people's work you know day after day after day and see them like at their jobs and saying you know what you're not bringing your a game today what the hell because <laughs> i can guarantee you we all don't bring our a game every single day to work or whatever we do in this world and to have fans think that, you know, eighteen to twenty two year old guys are gonna be doing it when we don't see NHL players doing it, let alone college players. It just gets to be a little ridiculous.
0: Well I think Bruce Boudreaux said something interesting about coaching in the NHL is you know, you don't know who your players that are going each night until you play those first couple of shifts. And uh, you know, <laughs> there's a reason why Nick Foligno and Eric Farr don't typically play in the extra period, but the other night ujo threw them out there and they scored
1: yeah playing a little guitar for us there hammy
2: uh no that was a speaker that came out sorry
1: (laughs) (laughs) we thought you were gonna uh, just start playing some guitar for us and rock us out (laughs) no no no
2: no. i'm being good
1: Uh, well one thing we've got this weekend is a a great uh, rivalry that's kind of built over the last 20 years they didn't play last year but uh uh, Minnesota State, Mankato Mavericks are coming to town, and then we're going down to Mankato on Saturday night. And Vegs. this is a good Mavericks team, and I'm thinking the speed limit might even go up more this weekend than it has this past weekend.
0: Yeah, I think one of the things Minnesota State has is a little bit more scoring depth than North Dakota brought out last weekend. Uh, Mike Hastings has done a great job getting guys to delay their enrollment, He's recruited some older players, and he's got a great mix of forwards who can score right now. Uh, you look at that power play and how well it did against North Dakota two weekends ago. Uh, they're a dangerous team to play against.
1: And Hammy, um, Mankato, they—I think—I think Hastings was a great hire. I mean, he's done a fantastic job there.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's out, he's been a successful coach wherever he's gone. He obviously had a lot of success in the USHL and um so he's he definitely knows how to build a team and he knows how to coach so um, you, you have to give him props and I think that's a good fit for him down there um you have to be it'll be interesting if someday he gets plucked away because I don't know that I see a guy like that being a career you know, a lifer at, at that place but nonetheless um he certainly has had a, a lot of success so far and I uh, you know I guess it's not shocking when you look at his background and like I said in the USHL
1: well, he was a favorite, even though he was only here one year, um, quite a quite a while ago now. But uh, I'm personally a big fan of Hastings. He's a great guy. He's definitely a he's definitely an old school hockey guy too, uh, Viggs. Um, yeah, a lot of personality stuff we didn't really see out of our current coach, or not our current coach, but our former coach, Mister Lucia um, Hastings. Is just kind of an old
0: school guy. Yeah, he coached in the USHL for a long time, and uh, you know he came to Minnesota and wasn't here very long to to share his character. But uh, you could just tell he wanted to be a head coach as soon as he could, and you know he took that opportunity down for Minnesota State, and he's he's run with it. I know that other people have made runs to try to hire him away, and the schools answered the call and upped his salary, and he's got a nice deal down there. And so do his assistant coaches. <coughs>
1: And the only the only thing they don't have is success in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they've had some really good teams finish up the year. I believe they've even been a number one seed a few times, haven't they, Viggs? Yep. And yeah, they, and being
0: in the WCHA has been pretty good for them. You know, they've they've gotten a nice run uh, a couple times, but I I don't know if they would make those same kind of runs if they were playing you know teams in the NCHC or the Big Ten last year. Uh, so I think it's worked out well for them. You, know, you wouldn't see a situation where. Three Minnesota teams could win a conference title in the same year, but now you can.
1: Yeah, that, that's definitely true. And uh, you know, and maybe this kind of WCHA and college hockey shift helped a school like a Mankato hammy because, sure, uh, they might not do as good if they were in the old WCHA or some other league, but it has slowly allowed them to build up, build up, and build up, and now they're pretty much on par with most of the rest of the schools around here.
2: Well, I mean, I think it comes down to, I mean, certainly it gives them an opportunity um, to be a, a winner and, you know, it's, it helps market to players, uh, you know, opportunities um, to play, you know, in important games. But I think the one thing you, you do have to wonder is you, you kind of want the rest of your league to kind of rise up with you. Cause I, I think when you talk about NCAAs um, certainly you want to feel like you've been tested throughout the year. And if, you know, you can be great in your own league, but if your own league isn't, you know, necessarily got a lot of good teams in it. Maybe you're not quite prepared, you know, or battle tested for those kinds of more important games when you get towards the end of the season. And um, that could certainly be a part of the issue for them. It's hard to say, but, um, uh, you know, they have had opportunities and they just haven't capitalized when they get to the end of the season.
1: Um, Viggs, keys to the weekend for Minnesota. You obviously already kind of touched on power play, but it seems like so far, whether if it's a regular season game or an exhibition game, Minnesota is either you know feeding really well or starving. You know, seven goals or one goal. Um, we could we could use the seven goals more often, but they probably need a little more consistency here on the offense.
0: Yeah, I think you want to see them drive possession a little bit better. You know, whether it's uh, you know breaking out cleanly, uh, something they didn't really do very well against North Dakota or just maintaining their ground game a little bit more in the offensive zone. I was really surprised how they were able to do that to Minnesota-Duluth in the second game of their series. Uh, A little bit easier on the big ice, I think, for Minnesota to do that. Uh, But it's going to be a big challenge for them against Minnesota State because they're going to be facing a lot of scoring depth. So there's not going to be a lot of places to hide out there. Um, The other thing to watch is the discipline. We've seen the defensemen take a lot of penalties so far this season. You know, that's something they're going to have to get away
2: from if they're going to be successful.
1: Hammy, what are you thinking this week? Are you thinking both home teams are going to win?
2: That's kind of what I'm leaning towards. I also kind of have the feeling that it's going to be more of an open, you know, skating kind of a game. I'd be a little surprised if it's not a little bit more high scoring. I don't know that I see it being a real checking affair. I mean, of course, like I said, you kind of never know early in the season what you might get, but I think it's more likely going to be kind of a, an up and down the rink kind uh, of offensive um weekend. So and that'd be obviously fun for the fans, uh, especially if you're on the winning side of course. But <laughs> um yeah, that's kind of what I would expect. Um but I I hope the guys are certainly energized, feeling a little bit frustrated from this last, you know, weekend and they bring a a little bit better performance both nights. I know that Scott Reedy will probably be on the lineup this
0: weekend, so one other thing will be to watch who gets to play center? You know, Sammy Walker is a name who who might get to play there. Uh, it'd be nice for him to get that opportunity on Friday night on the big ice, where there's a little bit more room. I think you put a little guy like that in a small rink, and it's a tougher place to make the adjustment.
1: And you know, obviously Minnesota State they did update their rink about five years ago now. So are they full NHL or are they sort of a hybrid? I can't quite remember. I think it's a hybrid. Yeah. Rink. So it's not quite as small, but it's not the Olympic size that they had previously. That.
0: Um, Viggs, are you, are you heading down to any of the games this weekend? I'll be there Friday night uh, taking the action at 3 a.m. at Mariucci. And uh, I will not be able to make
1: it tomorrow night. The girlfriend has something that we're doing tomorrow night on my birthday. So getting old here. But I am heading yeah, to my-
0: you Yeah, only, you only turned 60 once, June. Oh,
1: geez. I I do know that Hammy is older than me, and Hammy just turned something something. No, I
2: don't want to talk about that. <laughs> Come on.
1: I don't know what the something something is, but I know it's older than me, so we'll just go with that. Uh, but I am heading to Mankato on uh, Saturday, which it's always a fun uh, fun to head down there. Um, you know, Paul Allen has been uh, running there, doing their PR, and when boy, probably longer than anybody because. Uh, I know, maybe back to the '90s. So
0: um, he, he does he, a great job. Down he there.
1: does, and he's yeah, he's like I said, he's he's made a great uh, a job of this. Um, whereas you know, in Minnesota would kind of run through these guys. You know, every three or four years we get a new one. Not Mankato; it's the same guy. You know, same thing with Saint Cloud, Duluth, and then for, for a while, you know, North Dakota, even until recently. So. It's kind of one thing that Minnesota doesn't be able to hang on to these guys as well as uh, some of these other local schools. So,
0: well, there's a lot of pressure in the the big pro market of the Twin Cities. That is true. That is true. We'll have to.
1: Oh, great! Deadwood's going off, to, going after me. Need some geritol and maybe some uh, AARP for my birthday. Yeah, I don't think so. But uh, I'm not. I'm not even sure what I'm doing tomorrow night. I think we might be going to a concert, and I don't know. And um we'll have to wait and see oh, is,
2: this like a, is this like a surprise thing
1: sort of and i'm just gonna go with it it's fine just make
0: sure you have some gin and tonics i may have to veeks <laughs> are you working on anything for the athletic uh right now yeah i'm gonna be looking a little bit about uh the battle level that's uh been challenging this program for the last couple games they've played uh specifically the North Dakota series here and then Penn State last year I and mean, what they need to do to change that up.
1: Yeah, and even I wouldn't say just the last couple of games. It's definitely I'd say bat, last couple of years. It's like feast or famine it seems like the battle level. So and when could you that next week this week? Uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Well, there you go. Look for it tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Um, Hammy, you got any last thoughts on your short little stint out with us tonight?
2: Yeah, well, are we going back to Wednesdays? Next yes. Week? Okay, then I'll be in much better shape and performance.
1: <laughs> I think we're solid Wednesdays now until the holiday break. So that'll be uh, that's good for everyone. We'll have to. Sorry about that, but you know, like I said, sometimes we got to make adjustments. I know it's not hasn't quite worked for you, Hammy, but uh... no,
2: that's no big deal. As long as everybody's, as long as we're covered, right? Yeah, so
0: <laughs> exactly. As long as we're covered. I'm sure you were out last night anyway, Hammy, for Halloween.
2: No, I behaved this year. I was a good boy. Compared to last year? Uh, I don't even I remember what I did last year, to be honest with you. <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't. Uh, I
1: good boy, right? I don't remember. <laughs> there you go. Uh, remember, you could follow Hammy on Twitter at HammyHockey. And you could follow uh, Vigo on Twitter at eVigo. You, know, you can see his writing on GPL and, of course, at The Athletic. Uh, for those of you listening live, we'll have a little bit of overtime coming up. But uh, for the rest of you, we'll be back next week to recap the Mavericks game. And then, boy, we're previewing, boy, is it St. Lawrence? I think Wisconsin. So. Wisconsin. Oh, then it's St. Lawrence. Hi. Well, there we go. We've got the Badgers. So we'll be back next week on the regular scheduled night, Wednesday. Thanks for listening.